Well, uh, we are in the middle of a series in the book of 1 John, and uh, John's theme is knowing God. That's what he's been talking about. And what John, John thinks is that the most important thing, the most important pursuit in life is the pursuit to know God. It's more important than making money. It's more important than being success, successful. It's more important than anything else. The most important question you could ask yourself, we all ask ourselves questions, uh, is the question, do I know God? Am I coming to know God? And John is helping us answer that question. And what John has been saying is that knowing in God, knowing, knowing God involves walking in the light. People who know God walk in the light. He also has been saying that, that people who know God confess their sins to God. Uh, he said that people that know God love their fellow Christians. Last week he said, people that know God are avoiding worldliness. And today John is going to say that if we're, if we're getting to know God, those people that truly know God have developed the skill of evaluating the spiritual voices around them. Uh, people that are growing in God, people that know God are learning how to evaluate the voices, the spiritual voices, uh, not only in the church, but also in the culture. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does that mean? Well, we live in a world of competing voices. Uh, we live in what's been called the information age. And so uh, be because of social media, because of the internet, uh, information is all over the place. Anything that you could possibly want to know is at the tip of your fingertips. Tip of your fingertips. That sounded funny. Uh, this past week, uh, I, was watch I watched several YouTube videos uh, to learn how to do stuff. And so uh, I watched a video on how to prepare trout after you've cooked it. Um, I, I watched a YouTube video on how to put on a sliding glass door. I watched a YouTube video on whether or not there are giant uh, catfish at the bottom of Greer's Ferry la Lake. And uh, the jury's still out on that, by the way, if you're wondering. Anything that you could possibly want, any information that you could ever want is at the tip of your fingertips. I've said it again. <laughs> and this is especially true when it comes to spirituality. Uh, there are, are plenty of people uh, out there in the culture that, that are speaking on behalf of God and spirituality and ultimate reality. And so go to Barnes & Noble, go to the spirituality section, and you'll find a myriad of books on, on what it means to be spiritual and how to live the spiritual life. Uh, if, you, if you go online, uh, you will uh, see podcasters and YouTubers and bloggers and authors who will tell you exactly what it means to be spiritual. Uh, you know, religion is kind of going out in our culture, but, but guess what? Spirituality is going up. Uh, people are not necessarily more religious, but they are wanting to be more spiritual. And there is no lack of voices that are wanting to tell us about how to live the spiritual life. And so that raises a question. How do you know which voice is right and which voice is wrong? So many uh, messages that we're bombarded with. How can you tell truth from error? How do you know uh, which message is the right one? Because they're not all pointing in the same direction. Right? There are so many voices, and not all of them are saying the same thing. And so how do we know which one is right and which one is wrong? Because the wrong voice can really get you into a lot of trouble. 
Uh, there was a commercial way back in, in one of the Super Bowls, and uh, I can't even remember what it was for, you know, these companies that pay all this money to put a commercial in the Super Bowl. I can't remember what the product was, but I remember the commercial. And it's this uh, Russian guy, and he's in a, in a submarine, and he's sitting at the switchboard, and he gets a message through the board that says, Mayday, Mayday, we're sinking, we're sinking. And the Russian says, uh, what? What? Say that again? And it says, mayday, mayday, we're sinking, we're sinking. And he says, you're, you're sinking? And that's my Russian accent. Uh, you're sinking? And they say, yes, yes, mayday, mayday, we're sinking, we're sinking. And he says, oh, what are you sinking about? <laughs> right, the wrong message, the wrong voice can get you into a lot of trouble. And John says that is absolutely true when it comes to knowing God. If you're going to know God, you need to learn how to determine truth from error. Amidst all the voices in the culture, inside and outside the church. And so what do we do? Uh, John in chapter 4, 1 through 6 is going to tell us what to do. I want to break the sermon into three different questions. Let's ask the question, what does John want us to do? Second of all, let's ask, how does John want us to do it? And then finally, let's ask, how does this apply to our own lives in 2019 here in Batesville? So first, uh, let's ask the question, uh, what does John want us to do in order to decipher the voices in our culture? He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. So here John uh, gives us a command. It's a both positive and a negative command. First, the negative. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And then positively, he says, But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So John says, Here's what I want you to do. He says, I, I don't want you to believe everything you hear. Right? As you, as you go online, as you, as, you, as you listen to that podcast, as you read that book, he says, don't believe everything that you hear. Don't believe everything that you read in that book. Don't uh, swallow hook, line, and sinker uh, every idea that you read from whatever book you happen to be reading at the moment. Don't be gullible, he says. Instead, he wants us to exercise our spiritual faculties of discernment. He says, I want you to test every spirit. I want you to evaluate. I want you to discriminate between the spirits and the voices in your life and in your world. Now, when John says, do this to every spirit, we need to under kind of understand what he's talking about. When he says spirit, he's not talking about a ghost, you know, or some translucent being. Uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, prophets, traveling prophets that were going around the church in his day. And so in that culture, uh, it was a pluralistic world. There was a temple on every culture. There were uh, a myriad of uh, traveling philosophers and teachers and religious gurus, just like in our day. And in the church, uh, there was, this was before there was a lot of controls and before there was central authority. And so uh, teachers and prophets and uh, people that claimed claim to be speaking on behalf of God would come into the church with a message, with a voice, with, with, with a teaching. And what John says is that I want you to evaluate these guys. He says, I'm not there to tell you. I'm not right there. John is writing a letter to them. And he says, I'm not there. When they come into your midst, I want you to evaluate their message. Now, notice John is not 
saying right off the bat, don't listen to them at all. John knows that in these, with these spirits and with these prophets and teachers, that there is an opportunity for growth. Right? John is not saying, listen, I am the sanctioned voice. I am the Holy Scripture. Don't listen to anybody else. John is saying that the, the, the prophets and the teachers and the messengers out there, they may have something really good. In fact, um, Paul the Apostle says that, that prophets and apostles and teachers are actually really good for the church. And so um, in Ephesians 4 verse 11, Paul says this, God gave to the church as gifts apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers, and what are they for? They're there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but by, by human coming, by honey, Honey, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. What Paul is saying is that the teachers in the church are gifts from God. Uh, people that write books, people that have podcasts, people that uh, are giving uh, ideas out in the church, these people are not all bad. In fact, they can be incredible gifts of God. A book can change your life. An idea can change your life. A, a spiritual insight from a great teacher can lead you in an incredibly wonderful direction. I once met a pastor who said, I've, throw, I've thrown away all of my books. I've gotten rid of, rid of all of my books. The only thing I read is scripture, just me and my Bible. I don't read anything else. There's too many false voices out there. And I think, what a shame. He's missing out on the gifts that God has given to his church in the form of teachers and pastors who give us wonderful ideas. John is not saying don't listen to anybody. He's not saying get rid of all your books. He's not saying stop reading or stop listening, all he is saying is that in all of your listening and in all of your learning, don't forget to evaluate. Don't forget to use your faculty of spiritual discrimination. John is saying, don't be gullible. Put a filter on and filter everything that you're learning through it. Right, we need, to, we need to discriminate when we go into the medicine cabinet to determine what is helpful and what is harmful, right? You need to discriminate uh, when you eat food, not to let anything bad, you know, eat this, don't eat that, right? You need to discriminate sometimes the, the, the friends that your kids are hanging out with. And John is saying you need to discriminate when it comes to the spiritual messages, both inside and outside the church, because not all of them are good, not all of them are bad, but not all of them are good. Notice John says that many false prophets have gone into the world. What is a false prophet? Well, literally, it's the word pseudo-prophet. Not all right, but not all wrong prophet. Not all good, but not all bad prophet. Right? There are mixed voices out there, and we need to learn how to discriminate between what is good and what is error. What is good, what is right, and what is misguided. A great example of this is in the book of Acts, chapter 17, where Paul goes to a place called Berea. And in, and in the book of Acts, it, it tells a story of how Paul went there. And it says the Bereans were more noble 
than the Jews in, in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness. And that's great, isn't it? They received the word with eagerness. They wanted to learn. They wanted to grow. They wanted ideas. They wanted uh, help in knowing God. This is great. They received the word with eagerness. I hope you do that. I hope you come to church hungry to receive the word of God and, and wanting to, to, to hear what God wants to say to you. But notice, they received it with eagerness, but they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were right. They tested Paul. They examined Paul to make sure that what he was telling them was true. And I hope you do that for me. You know, if somebody comes up to me and says, Brent, I, I, you know, what you said today was really interesting, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at scripture to see if it's actually right. You're not going to offend me if you say that. I actually am very happy if, if you out there are sitting and discriminating and filtering and searching and studying because you're doing exactly what John wants us to do here. He says, I want you to test the spirits. I want you to evaluate all teachings. They're not all created equal. There are many pseudo-prophets that have come into the world. And so he says, before you receive what they say, hook, line, and sinker, I want you to evaluate them. Now notice these people were people inside the church. John, in an earlier point, says they went out from among us, and they proved that they were not um, of us. So a lot of the false teachers are coming from inside the church, some of the most dangerous voices are, are voices that come out of Christian books and Christian teaching inside the church. John is not so much worried that they're going to switch religions, but that they're going to syncretize true Christianity with something false, that they're going to dilute their faith with wrong information. So John says, test, evaluate, discriminate. So how do we do that? It's the second question I want to ask of the test. What does John want us to do? He says, test every spirit. Don't believe everything. Don't be gullible. How do we do that? Well, notice John goes on and he says this. He says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come from God. This is a, a spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now in, in, is now in the world. John says, let me give you a filter. Let me give you a test that you can evaluate them by. And notice the test isn't, are they charismatic? You know, a lot of people, you know, if a, if a voice is charismatic, if somebody's a great speaker, ooh, they must be right. Notice he, the test isn't, does it work for you? You know, a lot of people think, well, if it works for me, then it's good. Then it's truth. I'll receive it. That's not, that's not the test that he gives either. The test that he gives them isn't, does it feel good? Does it give you all the feels? Right? Does it make you cry? Does it, does it tug on an emotional heartstring? That's not the test either. What is the test? What is the filter that we're supposed to run every message through? John says it's Jesus. He says every spirit, every message, every teaching that confesses Jesus is the Christ is from God. And every message that denies Jesus is the Christ is not from God. There's the simple test. There's the simple evaluation tool. What is John saying? He's saying first, he said test everything through Jesus Christ. Not just do they use the name Jesus, but he says, is it truly of Jesus Christ? First test it by Jesus' identity. Does the voice believe or confess that Jesus is the Christ? 
What does a particular message or teacher or prophet or speaker or podcaster say about the identity of Jesus Christ? This is what Jesus told his disciples to do. He says, who do you say that I am? What is my identity? What do you believe about me? You see, a true prophet will always believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is, Jesus is God come in human flesh. Jesus isn't just a prophet. He is the true son of God, the third member of the Trinity. He says, any spirit that confesses Jesus is the Christ is from God. So use that tool on the voices. Uh, maybe use it on, the, on the, the, the nice gentlemen that come to your door and, and knock on your door wearing white shirts and black pants. You know, the Mormons. You know, uh, when a Mormon comes to my door, uh, so often 90% of what they have to say agrees with what I believe already. Right? They have the Bible there, and they're talking about, you know, uh, books of the Bible, and, and they're saying just about everything they're saying is true, but I always say, you know, I agree with all of that, but tell me, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you say about who Jesus Christ is? Because every spirit that confesses Jesus is the Christ, that person is from God. You see, Jesus and his identity is the litmus test. There was an interview uh, with uh, Christopher Hitchens, and uh, with uh, he, he's being interviewed by a woman named Marilyn Sewell. Christopher Hitchens is, Hitch, Hitchens is an atheist, and he wrote uh, a book called The God Delusion, and he's very uh, against religion and against Christianity. He's being interviewed by Marilyn Sewell, who's a Unitarian minister. And at one point in the interview, she looks at him and she says, you know, the religion that you cite in your book is generally the conservative faith of various kinds. But I'm a different sort of Christian. I don't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe in miracles, she says. I don't believe in the deity of Christ or the atonement. I don't believe in the resurrection. Do you make any distinction, she asked, between the conservative faith and my brand of Christianity? And here's what Christopher Hitchens said. It's probably the only time I've ever agreed with him. But he says, I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is the Christ and Messiah and that he rose again from the dead, you are not in any meaningful sense a Christian. I thought, amen. He's giving her the test. He's running her through the filter. And so every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh that he is God, John says that's a false prophet. That's not a good spirit. Not only to run it through the identity of Jesus, but also run them through the vision of Jesus. Jesus gave a vision, a vision of the good life. Every teacher, every prophet, every book is giving you a vision of the good life. They're telling you this is what human flourishing is. Well, here's what you should do. Ask if that vision of human flourishing agrees with Jesus' vision of human flourishing. Jesus gave us a vision of the good life. Uh, read it in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus Christ told us what, what is the way to live, how is the way to live, and, and what is the vision of the good life. Does this teacher agree with that? You know, they may believe that Jesus is the Christ, but are they agreeing with his vision, with his message? You know, Jesus said things about sexuality. He said, you know, if you commit adultery, uh, that, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Is the voice telling you that you shouldn't commit adultery? Or, or are they saying, 
boy, you love this man and he's your soulmate. Maybe the person you married at the beginning there, uh, you know, maybe God never meant you to marry that person. Do they agree with Jesus on sexuality? Do they agree with Jesus on money? Jesus said a lot of things about money. He said you shouldn't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, that you ought to be generous and open-handed with your money. If a voice comes along and says, God wants you to be rich, God wants you to be wealthy, that's what life is all about. Well, that person disagrees with Jesus' vision of the good life. Run that through Jesus' filter. What does the person say about the self? You know, Jesus said you should deny yourself and give yourself away and pour yourself out for others. Does the voice come in and say, build yourself up, promote yourself, expand your, your power? Well, does that person agree with Jesus' vision? This is a great test to, to run the voice through. It's the Jesus test. Not only do they confess his identity, but also do they agree with his vision? Or do they disagree with him? You see, Jesus is our standard. Notice he's, he doesn't say run it through the Rush Limbaugh test, right? You know, Rush Limbaugh has a vision of the good life. A lot of us, he's the standard. And if Jesus agrees with Rush, well, then I'll buy it. No, you, run, you put Rush through the Jesus filter. He doesn't say uh, run it through the Oprah filter. Some of us, <laughs> Oprah is our standard, right? Whatever Oprah, Oprah said it, I believe it, that settles it, right? No, he says, run Oprah through the Jesus test. Does she agree with his vision of the good life? He's not saying run it through the uh, Republican Party platform test or run it through the Democratic Party platform test. He's saying run, it, run everything through the Jesus filter. Does it agree or disagree with his vision of the good life? You see, he's the standard. Don't use the wrong filter as you evaluate the voices. Don't be more committed to this person or that philosophy than you are to Jesus Christ. Run everything through him. Not only that, but does it agree with Jesus' salvation, with his redemption? Jesus Christ, anybody who confesses that Jesus is the Christ and who came in the flesh, this is a statement about his salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus' coming into the world. You are saved through Jesus' work and not your own. Redemption doesn't happen through your achievements, but through what Jesus Christ achieved for you. Salvation is by grace. Run everything you hear through that filter. Is it teaching you a message of grace or a message of salvation through achievement? You know, often I'll hear Christians say, you know, they'll see a Christian, you know, going through hard times, and they'll say, well, that's karma. But wait a minute. Does karma agree with Jesus? Karma says you get what you pay for. You know, you, you, earn, what you, you earn what you get. You get what you earn, and, and that's not Christianity. Christianity is that you get what you did not earn. Grace is, is all about getting what you don't deserve. That is not karma. Even conservative Christian voices, I was listening to a podcast the other day where uh, it was an interview about uh, Joshua Harris, and he's this guy, when he was 20 years old, wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And, uh, you know, it was during a time where, you know, people were buying purity rings, you know, and committing, I will never, I won't have, you know, I won't kiss anybody until I marry them and all this. And I think Miley Cyrus had a 
purity ring, and so it didn't work for everybody. But <laughs> this guy in the interview was evaluating the book. And he says, I know he's a Christian. I know it's a Christian book. But as I was reading it, it was hard for me to find grace in there. It was more like salvation through purity. If you save yourself for marriage, then you're, God's going to re reward you with a great marriage. And a lot of people, they saved themselves and they didn't have a great marriage. And so, of course, God didn't uphold his end of the bargain. Then there's other people who, who they didn't save themselves. And well, too, too bad for you. You know, you didn't kiss dating goodbye. And so I'm sorry, salvation by purity. And so he was evaluating the book. And, and this is what he was doing. He was, he was putting it through the Jesus filter. Does he agree with Jesus's way of salvation? Or is it salvation by some other means of achievement? And so what John says is, he's saying, here's what I want you to do. There are many voices out there. There are books, there are authors, there are podcasts, there are prophets. There are a myriad of people claiming to speak on behalf of God. Don't believe all of it. Don't be gullible, but use your faculties of discrimination. Put them through the filter. What is the filter? Jesus Christ. Do they agree with his identity? Do they agree with his vision of the good life? Do they agree with his means of salvation? Put everything through that filter. Jesus Christ is the standard. Well, here, let me uh, get to the final point, which is how do we apply this to our lives? I mean, this, okay, so here's the, here's the filter, here's the test. What do we do with this here in 2019 uh, in Batesville, right? Monday morning. How do, we, how do we apply this? Well, we do this by as we're listening to, to all the things that we listen to, many of you read books, I hope you do. Uh, many of you are, are listening to interviews and podcasts and things like that, I hope you are. I want to challenge you to, to evaluate the voices. Use your God-given discriminating faculties. Let's think about how we ought to do this. So first, as, as you think about doing this tomorrow morning, I want you to be generous in your discrimination. Right, notice how this test, it, it's a pretty narrow test, isn't it? Only Jesus, he's the only filter. But notice how minimal it is. He's not giving us 15, uh, you know, doctrinal tenets that, that are the litmus test. He's giving us Jesus. And there are many of us who we've got this long list. You know, teachers are guilty before proven innocent. And so if they agree with my 25 points of theology, well, then I'll let them in. Right? If they, you know, if they are, if they agree with me on the age of the earth, if they agree with me on the way about the end times, if they agree with me on the mode of baptism, if they agree with me about what, what party to, to vote for, if they agree with me about church government. No, 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 no. John says it's a very short list. It's Jesus. As long as they confess Jesus as the Christ and they pass the Jesus test, he says you can let them in. Our church is pretty broad and there's a lot of theological diversity here. Some of you are young earthers and some of you are old earthers. Some of you are Republicans, some of you are Democrat. 
Some of you have strong Christian liberties, no alcohol, no chewing tobacco. Some of you brew beer in your basement. I know you do. (laughs) None of that is the litmus test. It is Jesus Christ. And anyone who confesses Jesus Christ, who's come in the flesh, he says, we will let you in. We'll allow you to the table. We'll let you take communion with us. Don't draw your circle too narrow, is what John is saying. There's a great story. It's a joke. And uh, people always laugh at this joke, and so I'm going to tell it. He says, I was, as a man, he's walking down the street in San Francisco, and he goes along the Golden Gate Bridge, and he saw a man who's about to jump off. I tried to dissuade him, he said, from committing suicide, and I told him simply that God loved him. A tear came to his eye, and I asked him, are you a Christian, a Jew, a Hindu, or what? He said, I am a Christian. I said, me too, small world, Protestant or Catholic. He said, Protestant. I said, me too, what denomination? He said, Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern conservative Baptist or Northern liberal Baptist? He said, Northern conservative Baptist. I said, well, that's amazing. Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist or Northern conservative reform Baptist? He said, Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist. I said, remarkable. Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. I said, a miracle. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region's Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And he said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic. (laughs) And I pushed him over the rail. Right, you could be too discriminating where everybody is out if they don't agree with your narrow set of 150 theological tenets. Nope, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and saved you by grace. You believe that? We embrace you. That's the filter. So be generous. There's a lot of room in Christianity, and there's a lot of good teachers of every stripe. And learn from them all, as long as they agree with that filter. Learn from them all. So be generous. Also be thoughtful. So what John is is wanting us to do here is not to create a a blacklist, or he doesn't want to create a a group of theological watchdogs. John wants us to think. That's what he wants here. And notice John doesn't say, let me just list a group of teachers that are on the blacklist. And don't read them, don't think about them, stay away from them. That's not what John does. John says, let me come, let me just go to your church and let me, I'll stand at the door and I'll let people in and I'll tell people to go out. No, he says, I want you to think for yourself. You're thinking, people. You have the Spirit of God. He says, I want you to learn how to discriminate. I want you to develop theological thinking powers. I want you to know who Jesus is. And there was somebody in this church where we were in a discipleship group together, and he says, I used to work for a bank, and the way they taught us, they taught us how to tell what is counterfeit and what's real. And he says, they told us to handle the real. And he said, we got to know the real money so well that we could tell right off the bat what was counterfeit. And John says, I want you to know the real Jesus. Learn his vision. Know his identity. 
Be so familiar with Jesus that you can begin to determine for yourself what is right and what is wrong. You see, John wants us to be thoughtful here. He's not wanting us, you know, to just create a blacklist of books that nobody should read. Think for yourself. Evaluate. You know, this is one of the ways you grow as a Christian. It's just, you know, going out and looking at books and putting them through the filter and learning how to determine truth from error on your own. Yeah, within Christian community and with the help of pastors, for sure. But I want you to learn how to do it too. John says, I want you to be thoughtful. Well, let's get to the final point before it's too late. John wants us to be confident. Notice what John, notice the way John ends here. He says, I want you to test every spirit and every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. All the ones that aren't are not from God. And you can almost picture them getting nervous. Well, oh no, there's error out there and there's lies out there. What do I do? How do I know what's right? What if, this, what if I'm being led astray? I actually once knew a girl in college. She, uh, she grew up as, in a Christian family. She went away to college, and there was a cult that brought her in and just, uh, they abused her. They, they said, you can't go see your family on weekends. You've got to give us all of your money. They essentially controlled her life and abused her. And she finally got out of that cult. But since that time, she's never been able to trust a Christian teacher or a Christian authority. Never gone back to church. She's just too afraid. John doesn't want us to be afraid. He says, as you evaluate, as you test, do it with optimism and confidence. Notice what John says. He says, little children, you are, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Hear that this morning. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Yeah, there's lies out there and they will destroy you. There's some hurtful messages out there, and they're all over the place. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That is good news. They are from the world, John says. They, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of air. John essentially says you've got, in, through the spirit, you've got God living in you. Notice it's not greater is it that, that is in you than it is that, that's in the world, but he is in you. God is in you. G, the living Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit dwells in you. And his sheep know his voice. And as God is in you, he helps you to decipher what is true and what is not. You don't have to be afraid. As you go out and as you read and as you evaluate, do it with confidence. Jesus Christ died for you. His Holy Spirit indwells you. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know, the other night we were, uh, we had caught some trout, which is why I was watching the YouTube video about trout. And uh, when, when you cook trout and you put it on the plate, uh, here's the thing. You could take the all, you could try to get all the bones out of it, but there's still bones in there. And my, my kids wanted to eat that trout. They caught it. They wanted to eat it. And I was tempted to say, there's still bones in there. What if they get these bones in their throats? And what if they get, start choking and they die? Stay away from the trout. Stay away. 
You know, I was tempted to say that, but I didn't. What, what do they have to do? They have to learn how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And I had to trust them to be able to do that. And John says, I'm trusting you guys. You have the Holy Spirit. Learn how to eat the meat, the good nourishing, teaching the good food, and spit out the bones. Many of you are sending your kids away to college, or maybe you've sent them away already. And you're worried, what are they going to do? What if they encounter some some godless teaching? What if they encounter something that's non-Christian? What if somebody tells them something that's wrong? Well, well, listen, they have the Spirit of God, and yes, they need to learn how to evaluate. And we need to learn how to test the spirits. But you can be confident that the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is in them and dwelling in them, that is a strong defense against error. And so this is what we do as Christians. I love what John Stott says in your bulletin. He's got a quote where he says, you you need to learn. He says, I don't want you to be gullible and just superstitious, believing everything you hear. But he says, I also don't want you to be suspicious. Not superstitious, not suspicious. What do you do instead? You You know that there are wonderful teachers out there and there are voices that you can learn from. And you learn how to test You learn how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. You develop your spiritual faculty of discrimination. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you so much that that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And Father, as we come here on Sundays, as our kids are are learning in Sunday school, God, we want to give them good truth, Lord. We want to give them the scripture. We want to teach them about Jesus, uh, his identity, his vision for the good life his way of salvation. And God, as we teach them, we trust, Lord, that you are empowering them, helping them to grow into maturity, learning how to develop truth from error, decipher truth from error. Give us that same faculty. We pray as your people, Lord, that we would learn to grow and develop. God, that that we would uh, have discernment God, as we scroll through our feeds, as we read our books, Lord, that we would not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we would uh, learn how to filter everything through Jesus. God, give us great wisdom. Lord, help us to be watchful. Help us to be eager to learn. Help us to be discriminating. And we pray that you'd help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.